Hey, you're listening to Cut for Time, a podcast from Faith Church located on the north side of Indianapolis. My name is Claire Kingsley. Each week, I'll sit down with one of our preaching pastors to discuss their Sunday sermon. Cut for Time is a look behind the scenes of sermon preparation, and they'll share with us a few things that we didn't hear from the sermon on Sunday. Thanks for listening. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Claire. Hey. It is it is a beautiful, sunny afternoon. It, yeah. Yeah, we've moved from like the cold, wet spring to warm, sunny spring. Thank goodness. Yeah. It, slash hot. Honestly, it's already like this is as hot as it needs to get for me, if you ask me. But <laughs> Well, so you've got, uh, I mean, two kids that are running around and, and a baby who's, mm-hmm. you know, just starting to crawl a little i i yeah. assume with the nicer weather this is this is like a good thing because the girls can get out and run around and be in the yard and oh yeah for sure it's a gift i'm so thankful that the weather has changed it's been good for all of us yeah awesome yeah so um jeff why don't you give us an overview from your sermon on sunday it was the final sermon of our we had a cute little tiny series children of light and love it was a it was as long as a child is short (laughs) i'm gonna have to think about that one i don't (laughs) know if you just invented something or if that even makes sense but it sounded good uh yeah so the the series was coming out of easter and this idea that i mean this reality that if we've really come to know jesus and find life in him who are we what does that look like and how do we live that out and yeah, so uh, we settled on this short series in First John because it's kind of a short letter. And John is writing to these believers and, you know, he's he has a pastoral heart and a concern for their living out their faith in Jesus in the middle of a world where we, our core identity is being children of God. And what does that actually look like? So that was kind of the big idea of the series. And then this last uh, message was, as we said, we've been going through the series thematically, not like verse by verse, because John mm-hmm. just sort of bounces around and, and he he has these themes that he'll pick up and then put down and weave them together. And so this last theme was uh, this idea that he comes back to several times about overcoming the world. And that, I you know, it, it raises questions for us i think or it's meant to it ought to raise questions for us because when we think about overcoming i think we tend to think about conquest and uh you know victory particularly in like a powerful forceful kind of way and that's not at all what john is talking about because that's not the way jesus has overcome the world that's not the kind of kingdom jesus is building so what does it mean and so we looked at particularly this uh, section in chapter two, where John sort of goes into this almost like a poetic structure, talking to young children, young men and and fathers and and commentators debate on, you know, is that meant to be literal people in the congregation? And I I really think it's just sort of supposed to be uh, typical categories of sort of stages in our walk with Christ. Some Mm -hmm. are new to faith like young children some are in the middle of it you know in the middle of the the battle the struggle and some are farther down the road and have uh, come to a point in life of sort of matured settled confidence and strength and 
So I think it's John's writing to those kind of three typical kinds of people as meaning to be the church and Mm -hmm. that we'll find ourselves almost certainly in one of those three kinds of places or stages of life, but it's really applicable to all of us. And so John contrasts, I think, the, the reality that we have and who we are in Christ with the, the temptations and uh, the, the ways of being in the world that the world offers us. And I think that's his message about overcoming the world is to say, you all belong to Jesus. You live life in a different way with different values. And overcoming the world is about seeing the world for what it really is and the lies and the, the you know, shadows and mists and confusion that, that look can look tempting and appealing, but there's really no substance to it because you already have life and identity and security and strength and hope in Christ. And those are all the things that the world is offering, which are not bad things because that's what God has actually made us to have. But we overcome the world by acknowledging that we already have what we're made for in Christ. Mm -hmm. And we don't need to run after the things that the world is running after or offering us in order to have them. Because when we do that, when we run after the the things the world would offer us in the way that the world tells us to pursue them, we're almost invariably going to mess ourselves up and hurt other people in the process. And what John says is don't play the game the way the world has set it up. The way you overcome the world is by seeing through it and playing a different game. You're Mm -hmm. we're here as a different kind of people in a different kingdom with, in a sense, kind of different rules and different goals and different outcomes. Yeah. Um, Just going off of that uh, analogy of being like a game. And I just feel like let's talk strategy. Okay. So you're Mm. saying like, this is the motivation and the strategy and the goal and whatever is different. So what's this, um, what's this look like? What's our strategy and our goal in something like marriage or Mm. parenting Mm. um, or just being um, an engaged, intentional Christ follower at work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Boy, good questions. Um, Wow. Uh, you know, Joey made a, a comment as we were reflecting on the passage and he's saying he's, it was really good too. And I, I didn't have time to get to it. So that's, it was cut for time. Um, mm-hmm. the, the pathway that Jesus has marked out for us is defined by the kinds of things that he's talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. The, the way that we overcome is measured by things like growing in love and kindness, and forgiveness, and patience, and peace, and gentleness, and self-control, the fruit of the Mm -hmm. Spirit. That's a totally different way of looking at what it means for me to be in the world and what I'm trying to accomplish. Because, Mm -hmm. man, I, I mean, we've all been there, whether it's at work, or relationships, or parenting, or just, you know, in our neighborhoods or discussions that we get in with other people, right? It's so easy to fall into, man, I've, I've got to get, I got to get the last word in. I've got to, you know, make things turn out the way I think they're supposed to turn out. 
And then I start falling into, well, then I need to exert force. I need to have dominance. I need power. I need, you know, to shout people down. I need to exclude people that shouldn't be around. I mean, down to the level of, well, I just, uh, well, I mentioned, I mean, you guys have young kids at home, right? And just Mm -hmm. sometimes the battles that you can have over, no, you really have to put on shoes because we need to go somewhere now. And the issue, sure, that. The kids need to learn over a period of time to trust and love and obey their parents. And it's right for kids to put on shoes when mom or dad says it's, you know, we've got to get dressed and go. But man, I just, I, there are ways to go about that that are just about winning and getting the outcome because I'm in a hurry and we got to get out the door. And I can make the kid bend to my will when they're a certain size and age. Mm -hmm. uh that doesn't necessarily reflect the love the grace the patience the kindness of jesus and what john is saying is remember you are playing a different game the game is not just checking the boxes and getting the stuff done and getting the outcome it's really about the way we go about doing those things and the kinds of people that we're becoming in the process Mm -hmm. And I can tell you as someone, you know, with older kids farther down the the developmental stage, you know, as young adults, we're going to all as parents, for example, get to a point where we cannot make our children obey us. And in fact, our ability, even when they're little to have them obey us is pretty limited. Like we can make them obey on the one hand, while what are we really doing about what's going on in their hearts and what's going on in our hearts? And, and that's an example of how John is saying, like, remember, you're, you're about a totally different game in that sense. The the outcome is not about the outcome we usually define. It's much more about what's going on in my heart and how that's coming out of me and what's going to end up going on in their hearts. And that's what God cares about. And because that's what really matters, right? Like the kind of people we're becoming and the kind of people we're trying to help the people we're engaging with become, right? Like at work, it it doesn't have to be a zero-sum game about competition for power or recognition or wealth or promotion or, you know, getting the best opportunity or whatever. I mean, it's not that those things don't matter, but if I'm there to serve in love, my customers, my colleagues, my my bosses, that's a totally different game that I'm engaged in mm-hmm. than all the pursuit of the stuff that somehow gets wrapped up and, and becomes super important. Man, in, in marriages and in all kinds of relationships, right? Like, is my goal to win and to be right, to be acknowledged, to be... And that's why John is saying... Look, remember who you are as children of God. You have an identity. You have a security. You even have a power because of God's spirit and God's word living in you that nothing this world can compare to. You have everything that God that you need for what God has called you to do and the people he's trying to help you become. And what we really just need to do is remember that's what it's about. That's why we're here. That's the the goal that we're pursuing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I get that. Um, it makes me think of, you know, um, 
did your kids ever bring home things for Mother's Day or Father's Day from school that have like fill in the blanks? Um, you know, my favorite thing about my mom is blank. My mom yeah, is sure. how many years old and her favorite color is whatever, right? Sure. So I just read one actually of a friend she got like last week or, you know, two weeks ago for Mother's Day. And it said, I love my mom because, and the kid had the teacher like do the write in, you know, because uh, God tells me I have to. So mm. <laughs> like, it's funny. It's okay. We can mm. laugh about it. <laughs> but mm. like, do we, does that prompt the right um, action? Yeah. I'm sure, you know, this kid is obedient and loving but is it the right heart posture? That's not what we're going for, right? Mm. And isn't that how we all might act in any scenario? Like, I'll do this because God tells me to do it. Well, we might start there. Like, it's okay to start there in some areas. Or maybe you're frustrated because you had this argument with your spouse. And so, um, well, I'm going to love him because this is what God would ask me to do, right. or I'm going to love my, my neighbor or my child or my coworker or whatever, but we can't be okay with staying there. We need to like, want to have that heart change and that heart yes. posture be different and that it's not just out of a sense of obligation, duty, and obedience, but it's out of like actual true heart change. Yeah. And, and man, oh man, this, this goes off. We can get into such a great discussion around all these things because often, uh, yeah, I mean, our culture certainly tells us that feelings are what matter and don't do anything that's inauthentic. And yeah, there's something there, but I think the Bible is also challenging us a bit on that and saying like, no, we don't want to live just in the world of, you know, forced obedience but often what happens is we start acting towards someone in a loving way and trusting that God can work in that and asking him to change our hearts while we're doing the things that reflect love. And the habit becomes the thing that actually can start to produce the actual experience of love in our own hearts for that person. Yeah. And it's it's such an easy trap to fall into to say, well, I'm going to wait until I feel loving to that towards that person to actually love them and like well you know how when is that going to happen right jesus is telling uh, I, and again you know that's a great example because i think john would say no you, you have the ability to love that person because you have a savior who's loved you and filled you with love and you have the spirit living in you to give you the ability to be loving towards that person even if you don't feel like it and no you don't want to just live in the grim duty and gritting your teeth all the time but we're definitely not you know encouraged by scripture to just wait until that person deserves it or we feel like it right because we are strong we the word lives in us and we we have the ability to do more than we think we can because of that i mean how could we not if god himself is living in us that's what john is getting at and the, you know, the world's structure system, you know, in our culture certainly is saying, well, you know, if you don't feel it, then don't, you know, don't fake it. Don't pretend, just wait until, you know, they deserve it or you feel like loving them. And that's the opposite of what John is saying here. No, that that's the way the world operates. Uh, and, and we live in a different kingdom. 
with mm -hmm. different goals and different power and a different identity to live out who Jesus really has made us to be as his children. Yeah. And that's where John is saying we, the, the way we overcome the world is not by overpowering it, but by playing a totally different game. I, I love that. I love the quote, you know, it's a I don't know who came up with it, but the, the idea that I, I destroy my enemies by making them my friends. What if I really just decided I'm not going to have enemies in that way? I don't have to have enemies. I can I can have people that God has put in front of me to love, uh, to to give grace to. Um, like, I mean, you were talking about the, the power with kids. I mean, uh, one of the things that um, one of my daughters has done for me that is still just an ongoing blessing in my life is she took the time, Isabel took the time to write out little notes of sort of encouragement and affirmation, things that she sees in me that she loves and appreciates and left them scattered all around my office. I love the way you do this. I love what I, you know, this part of Jesus that I see in you. I love how patient you are. I, you know, you are this kind of a person. And we have the power to do that for people, for one another, and and to embody the habits of speaking words of encouragement into one another. And I don't think we realize how much power we have that way, that we can help people feel and experience the love of God and the encouragement of his word to us and as we see the good in them and what god is doing in them and and the other thing that does is it helps also you know if that's someone i'm struggling with it helps break down the resentment and the frustration and the discouragement by reminding myself that's a person made in god's image and it can become easy for me like in you know the way the world works to focus on all the negative and the ugly and the wrong and i'm not discounting that i'm not ignoring it i'm not pretending it's not there Mm -hmm. But they're also not like this supreme incarnation of evil either, right? Like, yeah. So there's there's some kind of a good in them, and maybe even if I struggle to see good in this person, to pray that God will move my heart in compassion for their brokenness. What if it's a person that's just so seems so far away from reflecting anything good? of Christ or of God's love. Well, that can either make me like proud and resentful and angry and hateful, or it can make me compassionate. Like how, how, oh, how lamentable that, that I'm struggling to see something or that this person is so broken or hurt or insecure or unhappy in some way that's spilling out of their lives into all this, you know, ugliness or bitterness or whatever it is that can at least move me to compassion and to pray for that person uh, right. with, with lament instead of condemnation. And, and I think that's how we overcome the world. Yes. Playing that different game for sure. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Thanks for bringing it back. Um, and thanks for your time today, Jeff. We are looking forward to our new series starting next weekend, which is our study in the book of Acts. Be great. I am too. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Awesome. Because Thanks we're so part of the story too. And that's what's exciting. 
is seeing how God, where have we come from and what's the story that we're part of? Because it's our story. And yeah, I'm, it's going to be great to dig into. Super. Okay. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Claire. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Cut for Time. If you wish to submit questions to our pastors following their sermon, you can email them to podcast at faithliveitout.org or text them into our Faith Church texting number, and we'll do our best to cover it in the week's episode. If this conversation blessed you in any way, we encourage you to share it with others. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week.